Body Probe Sierra 657 is online for miniaturization in Bay 3. Condition code green. Did you remember to turn off those robots? Yo, yo, pirate's life for me. Attention Horizon passengers. You are invited to choose your own flight path back to the future port. Please look down at the lighted panels in front of you. Press one of the three ride choices. Space. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World Information Station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 318 for the week of March 31st, 2013. I'm here to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Disney magic to wherever you are. With this podcast, my videos, blog, live broadcasts, special events, my Walt Disney World trivia books, CDs, and more, you can find it all over at www.radio.com. This week's podcast is brought to you by audible.com, where you can get a free audiobook download over at audibletrial.com slash radio. There's more than 100,000 titles to choose from, including many Disney books like Ridley Pearson's Kingdom Keeper series, you can sign up for free over at audibletrial.com slash WDWradio. So I'm going to open up the inbox this week and answer your listener questions about everything Walt Disney World, from Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom to what to do after a Disney cruise, crowd levels, how to save money at Walt Disney World, efficient transportation options, things to do for kids and teens, pirates in the parks and resorts, Fantasmic and more. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned for additional information and announcements, including updates on our next Meets of the Month in Walt Disney World before I play more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. One of the goals of the show and the videos and the blog and everything that I do with WDW Radio is to really help enhance your Walt Disney World experience by learning more and understanding and some and highlighting some of the, the details and the stories and even some of the experiences when you go that you may have overlooked. And I also like being able to help you individually as well as collectively because I think one of the best ways to help you with your experience is to hear and answer questions directly from you because I think a lot of people, chances are they have the same or similar questions as well. 
So this week, we are going to open up the email inbox. And if you have a question you want me to answer on the show about an upcoming trip, history, trivia, whatever it may be, you can email me at lou at www.radio.com. So as we open up the inbox this week, I want to welcome back somebody else who also loves and is also very good at helping people plan and enjoy their vacations as well. She loves the Iron Man monorail, but secretly wishes it was Thor. She is (laughs) Becky Menken, owner of MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Hey, Lou. Yeah, and you're right, of course, because Thor is, well, Thor. And you know what? It's been way too long, and I'm way out of practice, so this should go well. It has been. It has been way too long. The emails are filling up and piling up, so let's get right into it. And we'll keep the not-so-witty banter for a later time. All right. The first question comes from (laughs) Beth White, who wants to acknowledge that she is, in fact, a Daisy Duck fan. She says, hey, Lou, just listen to your podcast. And I have a question about Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom over at the Magic Kingdom. Uh, We're hoping to take a quick trip to uh, Walt Disney World and are wondering, can this game be played at night? And as I write this question, she says, it sounds silly, but... It's out there. Thanks for the podcast. I love listening at work. <laughs> You're supposed to be working <laughs> at work, but that's okay. I'm happy that, that uh, it sort of may hopefully breaks up your day for you. So, Becky, obviously, we know all about the Source of the Magic Kingdom game. I have uh, talked about this at length, how much I love the game. I love the concept. I love what it does, not just in terms of taking people to a variety of different locations throughout the Magic Kingdom that maybe they wouldn't visit otherwise, Corners of Adventureland, little sections of Liberty Square, side streets of Main Street USA. But I like the fact that it adds another layer to the onion. It introduces people or reintroduces people to some old Disney characters and villains. There's a collectible aspect of it. There's a trading card aspect of it. There's problem solving with friends and family. There's a lot that I love about this game. Uh, You can actually play at night. And I actually recommend sometimes that you play at night because the game and the animation is beautiful. And a lot of these uh, themed locations, real at night, they the uh, not only does the animation really sort of pop and it's so bright because you don't have to worry about the sunlight, but they're, they're themed well and there's lighting uh, in some of those locations. The only thing that you have to pay attention to is remember that the Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom office at the fire station on Main Street closes an hour before the park does. So if you want to play late, especially like, uh, some of the uh, later evenings when the crowds are thinner, really nice time to play. Just remember that you can't get any new cards uh, and key at the firehouse after one hour before park closing. Right. And is th- aren't there some areas, too, that you can't play during wishes because they're kind of tucked back in those areas where they kind of rope places off? I think there uh, let me think. Are there areas in the, because of wishes? I'm going to say No. Okay, I might be wrong. I'm that was say, something I heard. <laughs> I'm going to say no, but possibly. Okay. <laughs> so. well, all right. Sadly, I will totally admit that I've got to watch people play Sorcerer's Game, but I have not been able to play it myself. Come on. No, seriously. I have not had the opportunity to play it yet. So I'm afraid that I might get addicted to those cards because I've seen the cards. I love the cards, and I'm one of those collect- collectible addict people that once you get started, you can't stop. Right. But it also reminds me a little bit of um, of the Minahune game out on Lani that was so much fun because, it's again, it's just another layer that Disney puts onto their destinations that gets you sucked into um, these other experiences. So I, I guess I'll have to put it on my list to do next time. And, and I agree with you. And what I like about the experience is it's not necessarily confined to 
that one trip or that one day in the parks, right? Because you take those cards with you, you collect them, people put them in binders, they trade them, right? They've had a Sorcerer's Magic Kingdom uh, trading night at Walt Disney World. It's been done unofficially. Disney actually did one themselves. I think that this experience is going to continue to evolve and grow, not just beyond the four corners of the day in the parks, but your Disney experience your vacation right maybe you'll be mm-hmm. able to play at home maybe you'll be able to play online i like what it does to your experience in the parks how it lets you meet and interact with other guests as well too i think they're going to add additional layers to to this game and obviously we see this is the first of many of these types of experiences that are coming to walt mm-hmm. disney world we may talk uh, a little bit later on about what's coming to adventureland in terms of uh, another sort of free multi-layer interactive experience Ooh, you're teasing again. I like that. All right, <laughs> let's move on to Joe Yanoska from Avon, Ohio. He says, hey, Lou, great show, longtime listener, first-time emailer. I wanted to get your opinion on what to do between the time I get off the Disney Dream early in the morning and my flight that doesn't leave the airport until 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 4.40. I believe that there is not enough time to make going to one of the parks worth it. Is there any other activities either on or off property? What? That you would recommend. <laughs> uh, have you ever experienced a helicopter tour of Walt Disney World? Any suggestion you have would be appreciated. Thanks and keep up the great work. And again, that's from Joe and Avon Oho. So, Becky, I want to hear your recommendation first. There was something that instantly came to my mind, and I think I'm going to continue to feel this way over the next couple of years, but I want to hear from you. What was sure. the first thing that you thought of? Because I know that you've experienced well, this before about having the long gap in between getting off the ship yeah. And getting to Walt Disney World. Yeah, because I'm in the same space. You usually disembark the ship relatively early, or, but you're normally everybody's off by 9.30 in the morning. So you can be at Disney or the Disney property by 10.30 or 11 a.m., giving you three hours or so if you wanted to enjoy a park. Um, I have done that. My flights usually leave around 6 o'clock at night, so I do have that long area of time to try to figure out what I'm going to do with myself. But a couple of things that I've done as well that I really enjoyed was I... It, all right, I know it's off property, but I'm going to throw this out there. It's really easy to visit the Space Coast and go down and see Kennedy Space Center. It's a great stopover after a cruise uh, on your way back to the airport. Um, another thing that I've done, too, is just go and hang out at Downtown Disney. Or are we supposed to start calling that Disney Springs yet? I'm kind of <laughs> afraid. I'm not sure if I should be calling it Downtown Disney or moving to Springs. But that's another thing I've done is just go there and spend the day and shop and have a, a really great meal and uh, take in all the sights and uh, you know, characters in flight is there as well. There's a lot of different things that you can do um, in that area. So those are the two things that popped in my head first. Right. So my my go-to answer and the thing that that continues to jump to the front of my mind is downtown Disney. Uh, mm-hmm. What I was alluding to was obviously Disney Springs. I think it's going to be even more of a destination, especially for something like this uh, in the coming years when it's finally finished in 2016. But right now you can go to downtown Disney. You can wander. Something like going to Splitsville, Right. You have Mm -hmm. a nice lunch. You play a little bowling. There's billiards, whatever it may be. Uh, You can just sort of wander around and spend some time. There's no admission to get into anything, you know, like that. Uh, It's just sort of wandering around downtown Disney. The other thought that I had too, depending on how frequent of a visitor you are to Walt Disney World, it's a great time to just go exploring, uh, go eat at and go visit a resort maybe you haven't seen before. Wilderness Lodge, Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge, someplace maybe that 
you just sort of haven't taken time out of your vacation to go to, but now that you have some time to kill, you can go do that. You can take some of the, you know, the bus transportation to get over there. That might be a good way to do it. You know, go on the hop on the monorail, go through all the monorail resorts and just wander around a little bit as well, too. But downtown Disney, something like Splitsville, a venue like that could really afford you a, a nice, fun, entertaining few hours in between you're disembarking the Disney dream, which is sad as it is, and your flight home, which is even worse. So Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, and I'm going to completely rely on you to tell me when I'm, start, when I'm supposed to start calling it Disney Springs. <laughs> <laughs> I think once we start seeing some real major construction going on, uh, that's when we'll start. I, I think we'll know when to start calling it Disney Springs. I think they'll let us know when that formal name change is officially going to take place. Great. So I'm not as behind as I thought I was. Not okay, yet. move on. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. So um, next email comes from, oh, our friend uh, DeAndre Silva who says, hey, Lou, I've just discovered your website podcast. It's exciting to see someone who's passionate about Disney and who devotes so much time and energy to helping people discover new depths to the parks and get as much enjoyment out of them as possible. Thank you, DeAndre. He says, I'm going to Walt Disney World in April, visiting all four parks over the course of a week. Love it. Listening to your podcast and watching your videos is all part of the hype that's building ahead of my trip. I've been to the parks before, but one thing that's stressing me out this time is that I've never visited the parks in April before. Can you tell me what should I expect as far as crowd levels? We're going there from April 6th through April 13th. I don't want to make a military operation out of this if the park is going to be slow, but at the same time, I don't want to underplan if the park is going to be busy. Any advice you could give is going to be appreciated. Again, thanks for doing such an amazing job for people who love Disney. Again, that's from DeAndre Silver. So, Andre, I, I've got good news and I've got, well, we'll call it all good news. Uh, as far as the crowd levels are going to go, I'm going to tell you it is going to be busy during the first part of your stay. But it's going to get better later in the week. Uh, according to our friends over at Touring Plans, they sort of rate the crowd levels in terms of a 1 to 10 scale Early in the week, you still are going to have the remnants of the spring break and the Easter crowds. It's going to be about an eight. It's going to go down to about a six. But the best advice I think I could give you, if you, especially if you don't want to make a military operation out of this, is keep it simple. Get there early. Get to the parks early for rope drop. Hit the big things, right? Go to Fantasyland, Space Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain, whatever your big things are. Knock those out early. Maybe go back to your resort in the middle of the day when things are at their peak. And if you can, and if you're, you know, if you're a night owl, go back later on in the evening. Take advantage of some of the extended hours and stay late. Go early, stay late. I completely agree. And it's one of the biggest questions we get a lot from people is how do I avoid those peak times? And the general rule of thumb is just don't plan on traveling when kids are out of school around a holiday in particular. But of course, they're families with kids and you're going to end up going during those times. One of the busiest times to go is during Easter break, which is the week before and after Easter. But like you said, if you find yourself going during those peak times, just take it easy. Don't try to do it all. Otherwise, you'll need a vacation after your vacation. But even when it is a little bit crazy, there's so much to do as a family together to enjoy. As long as you're not trying to hit every single attraction, you're going to have a wonderful time regardless. Right. And go in with a a certain level of expectation. Understand, mm -hmm. look, you're not going to walk onto Peter Pan's flight, not that you ever will, but you're not right. going to walk on to even some of the, you know, if you, look, if, you, if you're going on Easter Monday 
and you think that you're going to waltz onto any attraction in the Magic Kingdom, it's not going to happen, right? So if you go in with that level of expectation, if you know you're going to just sort of take your time, you're going to wait a little bit, you, you, it'll make for a much more enjoyable vacation, like you said. Completely agree. All right, so let's go to a question from Xenia. Oh, I like that name. Xenia M. Robertson. She says, Lou just came back from the time of our lives on our first trip to Walt Disney World in October. It was an amazing six-day family trip. My husband was so self-sacrificing and made it a perfect trip for my seven-year-old daughter and I. We stayed in the Royal Guest Rooms of Port Orleans Riverside. I totally dig those. We did Chef Mickey's. Ohana's, Teppan Edo, and Beer Garden. I love your family already. We hit all four parks, 90% of the big ticket rides. We celebrated my 40th birthday, or as we like to say, the 11th anniversary of your 29th, our fourth wedding anniversary, and my daughter's eighth birthday. Wow. The wow. Hotness. I loved it all, and if that's the only time I'll ever go, it was perfect. So my question is this. What would you recommend if I was to try and save money myself for a money-conscious short trip for just my daughter and I, what time of year is the least expensive? What resort should we stay at? Should we even think about a meal plan? How much do you think I'd have to save before I start booking? Is there any tour or extra we should splurge on since this is our second trip? Should we maybe think about Disneyland? Thank you for your help and thank you for the great hints and advice on your podcast. I am now a regular listener and keep learning every day and hopes to get back to Disney someday. Thanks again, Xenia Robertson. Xenia, first and foremost, I, I love, love, love the experience you had. You celebrated so much. You did everything you wanted to do. When you walk away and say it was a perfect vacation, that's what I love to hear. Better yet, you're now looking about not just going back with your entire family, but I, I totally dig the mother-daughter trip, right? So, Becky, I wanna, I'm going to hand this over to you first because she wants to know what time of year to go, the resort, meal plans, what they should save. This is right in your wheelhouse. Go. Wow. <laughs> this could be like a 15-minute segment all by itself. Um, the least expensive times tend to be September, early December, between that Thanksgiving and Christmas break, and mid to late January after the marathon. Those are historically the times when you're going to find the hotels are the least expensive. Having said that, Resort preferences are tricky because that depends on what you're personally looking for. So if you're looking for a moderate resort, if you enjoyed that um, that experience, you can change it up a little bit and maybe try French Quarter to see how the other side compares or maybe even Coronado Springs because that's another whole different um, experience when it comes to a moderate resort. Um, if you're planning on to go during the slow seasons, the dining plan, I highly recommend watching or adding the dining plan and then watching for that wonderful, if the dates fall into the usual, not guaranteed free dining plan promotions that typically go out there as well in the fall. We see those, they come out sometimes in the summer to be applied to fall dates. I highly recommend, especially if it's just a couple of you, you and your daughter going to relax and enjoy the time. The dining plan works really well into that because you already know how much you're going to uh, spend for your, your meals. It's already prepaid for. When you add that plan, you get a certain percentage off. But of course, if it falls into free dining, that gets to be applied later. And of course, you've got that piece for free, which is always nice. So 
if those slow seasons uh, or the other ones too, I want to say is the best rates that you sometimes see during those slow, those slow seasons aren't always at the moderate resorts because those do fill up quickly. But you do sometimes find some really good rates at some of the deluxe resorts like the Animal Kingdom Lodge, the Wilderness Lodge, or even Saratoga Springs, which is one of the Disney Villa resorts. Those tend to be or, or tend not to fill up as quickly. And so they try to run some specials and some offers to fill those rooms. So those are great resorts to kind of keep your eye on to upgrade to if you're uh, wanting to look at something besides the moderate. Exactly what you said. I dig it, <laughs> right? I, I, I think that's, I think that's a, a great answer. I think you hit all the things that she's talking about. The only thing I will say is she wants to know about money she needs to save. Again, I think that sort of depends. She needs to start getting some quotes in terms of rates and, and think about things like she even said, if she wants to splurge on something, an extra tour or mm-hmm. something like that, I, I sort of think about you know, mommy daughter things, right? Do you do sort of a mommy daughter spa day? Do you do, I wouldn't do a a backstage tour because it's only your second trip. Uh, It's too bad she's only eight or else I would have suggested even something like Wild Africa Trek. But, you know, maybe go to a spa, maybe do Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique, you know, really sort of treat her like a princess um, since this is her second trip and it's something that she'll definitely remember um, that she did with her mom. Yeah. And another thing she asked was, should she maybe think about Disneyland, which is always a good one in my book. But of course, it's a whole different experience there as well. And she should do it with the whole family. Right. Yeah. Do it again with the whole family. Yeah. I I, I don't say pick one or I just say do both. It's just a lot easier. There you go. (laughs) All right. Andy LeBlanc. 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 LeBlanc sounds better. Hey, Lou, I'm a 12-year-old boy from South Portland, Maine. I listen to all your podcasts. I've only gone to Disney World one time three years ago. Get this kid's parents on the phone. We stayed at the Polynesian. Okay, hold off on that. It was great. We stayed 10 (laughs) days. Never mind. Awesome parents. And mostly went to the Magic Kingdom and Epcot Center. But we are now planning to go in about another year. My dad thinks we're going to spend more time in Epcot. And because of that, we might stay at the Yacht and Beach Club or the Boardwalk. Because we're going to be older, he could go to see all the nighttime activities. The only problem is, if we want to go to the Magic Kingdom a lot, we're going to have to get on some kind of bus. With the ages of me and my brother when we go being 10 and 13, what parks will we want what parks will we want to go to the most? What's the best location for us? If we stay somewhere like the boardwalk, what nighttime things could we do? Thanks a ton. Thanks for all the hard work you put into everything you do. Any thanks to you? And your family for listening. So I think what I'm getting from his question is his dad is sort of thinking about, all right, we're going to spend more time at Epcot. Maybe we should stay at the Yacht and Beach Club or the Boardwalk, which, you know, I absolutely love that area. But he's saying at 10 and 13, do are we going to want to go to Epcot? Maybe we're going to want to go to some other places. What's the best location? So, Becky, for me, I think that this could be a win-win for everybody. I think Boardwalk or Beach Club is a great option. There's tons to do. Very, very well themed. It's very easy for them if if their dad say it's okay. Actually, they'll now have to be 14, so it doesn't matter. But you could get to the Magic Kingdom very easily. A bus will take you right to the front gate. But more importantly, they can walk to Epcot. They can walk or take a boat to Disney's Hollywood Studios. And they can all, in the evenings, wander the boardwalk, right? So the kids can go play the games on the boardwalk. There's the ESPN arcade. There's the arcades at both of the resorts, uh, beaches and cream, easy access to and from the parks. I, I still think boardwalk or beach club would be a great option for everybody. 
Yeah. And once again, I agree with you. I can't believe I'm saying that again <laughs> because of all of the things you're talking about uh, between the nighttime things, illuminations, phantasmic, the, and the fun at the boardwalk, which happens at night with all the shows that go uh, along the boardwalk area. It's all right there. I, there's a reason why I think you and I both gravitate towards the Beach Club Yacht Club boardwalk. And it's because the there's so much to see and do in the area. It's so easy to get to Epcot. You can easily walk through Epcot to get to the monorail to take you to the Magic Kingdom as well if you want the scenic route. And like you said, the buses going to Magic Kingdom, they run every 20 minutes or so. So it's pretty easy to to utilize that as transportation. I think that um, I... I, I I hesitate to say it because I don't want them to fill up because I want to be able to, to go there. But <laughs> I really, really do enjoy that area. I think it is for families who are trying to experience it all and will spend the majority of their time between Epcot and or um, uh, Hollywood Studios and wanting to go over to Magic Kingdom. That area is a, is a great location. And you know that I'm I'm partial to the beach club and the yacht club. I, I do love the boardwalk too, but I think the storm along bay. You now, depending on when you go yeah. to, storm along bay is such a little mini water park that at ten and thirteen, these guys could be spend a lot of time there. They can go to the arcade. They can go to beaches and cream. There's a lot of stuff to do right there at the resort. So everyone sort of stays in the same area too. Yeah, and again, it didn't take you very long to make that beaches and cream um, <laughs> connection, I noticed. But then again, it is the one of the best burgers on property. And, of course, there are things like the No Way Jose that you have to have, apparently. And I don't think you've been here since they've updated the menu. So we have additional research next time you come to Walt Disney World. Count me in. All right. Chris Medieros says, Lou, my wife and I are taking a trip to Walt Disney World this year. We've been there many times, but this will be our first time flying and not driving. We always enjoy doing a lot of shopping while we're there, but this time we're worried about how to get things we buy home. We'll be staying at the Art of Animation Resort during our trip, so what's your opinion on how to get everything home? Would it be cheaper to check a small second bag for any purchases, or does the resort provide a way to ship items home? Thanks for your help. So, uh, Chris, there, there's a couple of different options that you have here. Now, when you say you love to shop, are we thinking the $35,000 crystal you know, Cinderella <laughs> Castle at, at uh, on Main Street, or are we talking a lot of little souvenirs? Are we thinking about things like snow globes, right? Because believe it or not, that actually sort of kind of plays into the equation. Disney World has so many different options for getting what you buy home. You can go right to one of the shops and they'll ship it to your house right from there or they'll deliver it back to your resort. If you bring it back to the resort with you, you can actually take it to the front desk uh, or depending on the resort you're staying at, if there's a business center there, they will actually help you pack it and ship it. But if you box it up, they can take it to the front desk. They'll help you. There's a lot of different uh, shipping options right at the front desk. If you have a car, there's a FedEx Kinko's, lo or, sorry, FedEx office location not far from downtown Disney. Or you can also do, listen, we, I think we've all been there. You end up buying a piece of luggage just for the stuff you want to bring home. Uh, you do have to sort of literally and figuratively weigh out what you think that you're going to buy, what, it, you know, if you can carry it in a carry-on or if you have to sort of ship it home. In the past, Becky, I've, when I lived in New Jersey especially, I shipped a lot of my stuff home. I didn't mind mm -hmm. waiting a couple of days for it to get there. Disney was always very, very helpful. Oftentimes, they would go or they'd say, all right, go into the gift shop. They'll give you a box. They'll give you wrapping stuff. They'll help you out. And then they, they were very accommodating about helping you get your stuff home. This is the way I look at it. You're on vacation, right? You buy stuff, you want to ship it home, 
all of the stores that are, are on Disney property, um, the locations will have the shipping service. It does cost a little bit of money. But if you compare that to what it's going to cost you, if you have an airline that charges $50 for an extra bag, it's going to be more economical for you to just use their shipping service. Buy something in there and say, hey, ship this home for me. That way you don't have to walk around with it. You don't have to worry about it um, not fitting in the luggage. You don't have to even deal with it. You just go, here, sign your little piece of paper, tell them where to <laughs> ship it. They will ship it for you. Just keep the receipts. That's the, bit, the right. biggest thing. So they will hand you a piece of paper back and make sure you have that so when you get home, if there were any issues with a lost item, you can call them and, and track it down. But the, the two ways... It, you know, that, like you said, there are ways you can go to the FedEx Kinkos. There's also places from the convention resorts like the Contemporary, the Grand Floridian that you can go to and get supplies from them and ship it. But to heck with it. You're on vacation. Either take an extra bag that you've already folded up into your, your luggage and pop that little guy out and fill it with your stuff. But just look at how much the baggage fee would be to get at home and then make, right. make that comparison. But you're on vacation. Use the shipping service. Have it there when you get home. Let them Easiest do it for way. you. And they yeah. and they're so good too, Becky, especially about fragile items, about mm -hmm. how well they protect and wrap they wrap stuff like they're King Toot and Common. Like <laughs> like <laughs> it's amazing how well they wrap it. I mean, I've had I've shipped stuff that is breakable home mm -hmm. and everything has always gotten here in perfect condition. So, yep. um, so this is I, the, yeah. Nothing's ever broken. I have I have purchased some art there as well and had that shipped home and it was beautifully packaged. So I've never had a problem. Awesome. All right. Let's move on to Mike Kokorowski, who says, Lou, love the podcast. We're thinking and planning a trip to Walt Disney World in late spring, summer 2013. We would like not to rent a car, just use Disney transportation. We plan on visiting Magic Kingdom, Epcot, and possibly Animal Kingdom. MGM Stu Hollywood Studios? What? what? Toy Story? Anyway, these quiz <laughs> questions focus on the transportation to Magic Kingdom and Epcot and would influence our choice of resort. So be careful how you answer, Becky. You are basically what the, the answer that we give will potentially change their lives. All right. We love the idea Polynesian, of staying at. Let's go home. <laughs> <laughs> we love the idea of staying at one of the monorail resorts like the Polynesian, hey. but wanted to explore a couple of other usually lower priced deluxe resorts and their transportation options. So how practical would it be to stay at Disney's Wilderness Lodge, where Magic Kingdom is accessible by boat? And get to Epcot via boat and transfer to monorail, boat to Contemporary, then hop the monorail to the TTC, then transfer to monorail to Epcot. It sounds complicated. It's much easier than that. Or conversely, would it be practical to stay at the Boardwalk Yacht Beach Club with Epcot in walking distance and get to the Magic Kingdom with a walk to Epcot, catch the monorail to the TTC, and transfer to monorail over to Magic Kingdom? Are those sorts of options allowed? Can resort guests use a transportation like that? If so, is this kit trip kind of trip to the parks crazy, or is it really not much different time-wise than the buses? We're not looking for the fastest trip necessarily. We wouldn't mind a boat monorail trip taking longer than a bus trip. By the same token, I want to avoid it if it's wildly impractical or crazy. <laughs> I have no sense of the timing and waits for the above options. Wondering what your opinion or thoughts are. Keep up the great work. And again, that's from Mike in Baltimore. So I'm going to let, again, ladies first. So are, are you wow. getting what he's saying? He's basically thinking Wilderness Lodge or the Yacht Beach Club Boardwalk area. He doesn't care really about the buses. He's sort of, I think he's kind of digging the idea of monorails and boats as sort of the transportation options. Because as we say, th those are kind of attractions in and of themselves. So what do you think, considering he wants yeah. to go to Magic Kingdom and Epcot? Well, see, that's exactly what I was going to say is 
everything, all these modes of transportation are actually part of the experience. So it is easy to, to go from Wilderness Lodge and take the boat over the Magic Kingdom or to get to the TTC. I mean, it's, it's very simple. It's part of the experience taking a, a water launch across the, um, the lake. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful way to kind of spend a little bit of the afternoon. And then if you look at Boardwalk Yacht Club Beach Club, yeah, you could go through Epcot to the monorail and change the monorails and, and go to Magic Kingdom. That is a scenic route. That is probably going to take a little longer than, say, just walking out of the boardwalk or outing up, uh, walking out of the resort and just hopping a bus because the buses do run approximately every 20 minutes. They do um, have uh, really quick transportation to where you're trying to go. So if you're trying to go the scenic route and see everything, if the Magic Kingdom is going to be the thing that you're most uh, focused on, that I would say stay at the Wilderness Lodge because it's easy to get around from that location. If you're going to spend more of your time at Epcot and you just want to easily get to Magic Kingdom, then I would suggest the Boardwalk Yacht Club Beach Club area. You? So I wasn't really paying attention to anything that you were saying because I was really thinking <laughs> about this. Like that's ever going to change. I, really? was, I wanted to sort of really? bring in all the things that he was talking about and – one of the first points that he made was that he wanted to explore a couple of other usually lower-priced deluxe resorts. So for me, one of the things I thought of as I was sort of figuring this all out was, traditionally speaking, and you can correct me if I'm wrong or if this is not a general rule, in terms of when you look at Polynesian, Boardwalk, Yacht, Beach Club, I think they all sort of stay in the same kind of general range where Wilderness Lodge may be a little bit less expensive so if money is playing a part in this decision, you potentially may be better off at Wilderness Lodge. Our representatives over at mousefantravel.com would be happy to help you with a free new obligation quote. But my answer is still Wilderness Lodge. I think mm -hmm. it's a different experience there. I love, I love, love, love taking the boat to the Magic Kingdom, right? I think it's it's a beautiful way to get there. It's a great way to see, uh, you know, Bay Lake and that area and Seven Seas Lagoon. And yes, once you're there, it's easy to get over to the TTC to get to wherever you want to go. So if time isn't an option, give yourself that added benefit of that other attraction, which is the boat to the Magic Kingdom. Yep, and I agree with you. Wilderness Lodge, out of all of those choices that you that you listed, Wilderness Lodge is going to most likely be the less expensive, least expensive, depending on obviously the availability. If you have, if you're trying to compare a, a theme park view with Polly versus the standard view at the Wilderness Lodge, but it typically would go in this order. You would see Wilderness Lodge being the, the least expensive. Yacht and Beach are typically around the same. Boardwalk is sometimes lower than Yacht and Beach, sometimes higher. And then the Polynesian tends to be the most expensive of those those choices. Um, I completely agree. What I love about the Wilderness Lodge is its theming. It's, it's basically my backyard up here in the Pacific Northwest, so I feel quite at home. But when you take the, the water launch back from the Magic Kingdom at night, especially. It really does have, a, it's a beautiful view of the park and it's very romantic for couples. And um, when you're walking back up for the boat launch through all of the, the wooded areas, getting back up to the lodge itself, it really is a nice experience. So if it is based on price and you're looking at the Magic Kingdom, then yeah, the Wilderness Lodge would be your best choice of those options. And depending on the time of year that you go, when everybody and their mothers pouring out of the Magic Kingdom, that boat to the Wilderness Lodge is probably going to have the shortest wait. 
<laughs> so. Very true. Very true. <laughs> All right, Becky. So I need you to sit back. And relax because Kaylin has well, she has an email show all unto herself. With she's got a lot of questions, but she covers a lot of really interesting stuff. So here we go. Okay. Hey Lou, and most probably Becky. I've been listening to your show since 2010. I've been going back through to listen to all your old ones. I think you're hilarious and are the perfect antidote for my geekiness. I especially <laughs> enjoy the top tens and the DSI segments. Before I start, I want to say that I apologize in advance for the length of this email. Never apologize. You're among friends. All right, so here we go. My family hasn't been to Walt Disney World in three years. You and the guy a couple of emails ago. We have to get these families together. We're not sure when we're going again, but my mom says that when she and my father decide that we're going to go, I get to plan the entire trip, even though I'm only 14. It's like giving the kid the keys to the car. <laughs> this was probably smart because I know more about Disney than both of them put together. Kaylin, you might want to turn it down a notch because they may leave you home. <laughs> All right. Though I don't really know quite when we're going, I've started planning this already. My geekiness never rests. So my family consists of me, my mother, my father, my 11-year-old sister, and my 7-year-old brother. I have... 11 questions for you. <laughs> Sorry oh, again I'm for the link. get a drink. I'll be back. <laughs> and if you could answer them all, it would be awesome. Here they are. Becky, we're going to hit these one at a time. Okay. We eat a lot. Love that she's a fellow foodie. And I've decided already that it's going to be best if we got a deluxe dining plan. I sure. love this girl already. I really want to hit all the awesome places to eat, to name just a few. Liberty Tree, Coral Reef, several World Showcase restaurants, Cinderella's Royal Table, and many, many more. Your parents may be rethinking the idea of giving you the, the keys to this vacation. The problem I found is that Yak and Yeti will only accept premium and platinum plans. Does this include deluxe plans or not? And if not, why? I want to eat there, but not if we can't use our plans. Becky, Give us the Reader's Digest elevator pitch condensed version of the differences between deluxe, platinum, oh wow, elites. Because um, <laughs> because there are differences in the dining plans. I think what she's really concerned about is that the Yak and Yeti may not be included in the deluxe dining plan, but possibly some of the upper level ones. Well, actually, the, the way the dining plans work now is that you get different levels or, or different snack credits meal credits, quick service credits on the, the basic um, dining plan. So on the regular dining plan, which is not the one she's talking about, but the regular, which most families do find is the best value because it allows for one quick service, one snack, and one table service per person per night, plus one refillable mug. I do believe that the Yak and Yeti is on that standard dining plan, as are the other restaurants that are listed on her list. I'd have to go back just to double check, but I, I do believe that. However, Cinderella's Royal Table takes two of your table service dining credits to dine there because, of course, it's a little more upscale. So it's not that a restaurant is on or off of that list. It's just it's going to take two credits versus one credit. And I do believe that Yak and Yeti is on that standard dining plan. If you think that you want more than one table service restaurant per day, so in other words, you want to go uh, and do a sit-down breakfast and do a sit-down dinner, then you want to look at the deluxe dining plan because that's going to give you that uh, ability to do more than one table service per restaurant per day. The dining really depends greatly on the preferences and eating habits of the family because I will tell you that most do go for that regular dining plan because you'll have like a, a quick service for your breakfast or your lunch and then one of the table services at night. 
a lot of people have found that they go into the deluxe dining options and it fits some families like a glove. And for you guys, it might be perfect. For others, it's way too much food for when you're trying to run around the parks like crazy as well. So it's really important to sit down and look at all the available plans. There's others, of course, when you get into the big platinum one, which basically includes any piece of food that you want (laughs) anywhere at any hour. (laughs) Um, You want to make sure that the options are going to fit your family and how you're going to tour the parks and how you're going to structure your meals. Because you might find that it sounds like you would want three meals sitting down per day, but for some people, that's just way too much food and you'll be overspending because of it. So it's really important to kind of sit down, talk with your family about what your dining expectations are going to be on vacation, how you think those those uh, the meals are going to fit in, if it's something you're going to stop and grab a burger really fast at a quick service for lunch, or do you prefer to sit down and have you know spend a couple of hours at a meal? Um, and then look at the plans that are available to you. Now, remember, if you do buy a dining plan, you're not exactly sure if if you do need the higher one. You can always you know, go to a table service and pay with it or pay for it with cash too. So if there's one day that you really want to sit down for breakfast and you also want to go to uh, Cinderella's Royal Table for dinner, that's going to take two of your services. You can always pay for um, one of the meals if you, you know, don't have enough credits to go across the plan for the number of days that you're there. But the dining plan, I think, is a really good idea for people to look at. I think that it's a great idea to sit down, like I said, with your family and or a really good vacation planner that understands how the plans work and talk about what the options are and how your, your family personally is going to apply them before you plunk down the money for one of the big deluxe plans or one of the platinum plans if that's really not how you're going to use them. So I think in order for us to really speak intelligently on the dining plans, <laughs> you and I need to spend like a research trip. We should get like the deluxe Uber multi-platinum plan to see how much food that really is and then sort of work our and then go our way make our way down you realize that we're gonna have to ride an aqueduct in a few months right (laughs) after the cruise we'll do this after the cruise so (laughs) all right let me put i'll add that to the list so in other words we've answered one question i think we've answered one out of 11 let's move on um everybody in my family except me hates and i mean big bold letters expletives hates Disney's Animal Kingdom, and yet she still acknowledges them as family, which is odd. Uh, I've tried everything to make them like it, but it just won't work. I love it, and I want to spend at least a day and a half there. I love this girl. When we go, how do I make my family see that Animal Kingdom is awesome? Because that's probably how she would say it. So my feeling is... And I, and, I, and I think this this holds true for people who say, I, I don't want to go to Disney World, right? Disney World's for kids. I don't like it. I don't want to go. you got to find the things that resonate with them, right? Get them there on their terms. Make them want to go. So if your mom likes shows, say, you know, Festival of the Lion King and Finding Nemo the Musical are Broadway quality, phenomenal shows. Does the brother or dad like thrills? Show them what Expedition Everest looked like. If it's about the food, man, get them there based on the food. Look, maybe they love animals. Maybe they like conservation. Who, you know, whatever it may be, Maybe they want to go see uh, Rafiki's Planet Watch and see the surgery center for the animals there, learn more about them. Whatever is going to strike a chord with them, you got to sort of help introduce them to it, not in terms of, oh, it's Anna to Zoo, I don't want to go. Explain it to them in a way that's going to make them be like, oh, wait a minute, 
dinosaurs. I, I didn't know there was a dinosaur section. I loved Finding Nemo. There's a musical out of this movie. I, I'm curious to go see it. Festival of the Lion King. Play them some of the music. Right. Find what's going to help get them there. Yeah. <laughs> and Everest. I mean, there's a lot of great attractions there. And I, I sit here and kind of bang my, my head on the wall a little bit about people who are just kind of dismiss Animal Kingdom right away without really just taking a look at it. And even for half a day, if you can't get them there for the entire day, I, I think, you know, you said that you wanted to eat at Yak and Yeti. You have a, a yeah. great built-in excuse right there. We're, we're going to eat here for lunch, and we're going to be in the park, so might as well enjoy a little bit of, of what's around you. I, I love Animal Kingdom. I think it's one of the f- best places for people watching, and I love the safari. I mean, if you get somebody, I could walk or go on that safari again and again and again because it's never the same thing twice. So... Yeah, go to Yak and Yeti, have them spend a couple hours in the park with you, and I'm, I'm sure that you'll have some converts. Absolutely. All right, move on, because we have like 17 more questions to go. My sister is 11 and wishes she was a teenager. I'm sure your parents don't. I am 14 <laughs> and wish I was still a kid. What are some things I can do to really feel childish and immature in the world? Take after Becky Mankin. And what are some things my sister can do to feel like a teenager? Take after Lou Mangiello. Um, <laughs> I think if you want to feel like a teenager, because I, when I was a kid, Becky, and, and used to go, and mind you, I, I'm dating myself because when I was a kid, it was Magic Kingdom. Uh, one of the things I loved to do, and my parents let me do because I know I couldn't go anywhere. I was a perfectly safe environment, but I felt like I own this place. Like I was on my own and I was, go ride the monorail. Like go ride the monorail around the resort loop. When I was a kid, I used to ride, you know, I would sometimes go late. And when you used to be able to ride in the front of the monorail, you were like, oh, this is awesome. Um, you know, go to the pool. Go to, you know, if the family's resting in the resort and they'll let you go to your go to the pool, you know, maybe with you, the two of you guys, go to the pool, go to the arcade, right? Do stuff that, that you can do near where the rest of your family is, but still feeling as though you're off on your own like a teenager. And look, you want to feel like a kid again? Man, you are going to the right place. Like, be goofy. Like, literally, in like, go hug the characters. Go have ice cream for breakfast. You act like, listen, you're never going to see these people again, so it doesn't matter. Just go. <laughs> Don't worry about trying to look and feel cool and what. Just go and enjoy yourself. And I, I guarantee you, if you worry less about trying to look cool, the memories and the good times and the laughs you're going to have are going to far outweigh any of the potential coolness that you would feel. <laughs> I still don't feel cool. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, it's it's like a a whole bunch of us hit fantasy land and ride the kids' rides like we're all seven. That is one of my favorite things to do at, at Walt Disney World. Just getting on the kids' rides and enjoying fantasy land and riding the carousel and the things that that adults, if they're not with their kids, kind of overlook a little bit, you know? I just had to go the adult side of things. But then ride the attractions. Have yeah. some fun. Be a kid. Have some fun and just let it, you know... Listen, you're only 14. You'd still, you know... Anyway, if we go for a week, I'm thinking we could stay at Disney's Art of Animation Resort for four nights and the Poly for two nights. I dig that. If we go for 10 days, I'm hoping we could stay at Art for four nights, Fort Wilderness for three nights, and the Poly for two nights. Wow. I want to move resorts because I want to save money. But also my mother has a special connection to the poly as she stayed there in 72 when she went with her family. So here's where my question comes in. How does the switching of resorts work? Will it take a lot of time? Is it worth the bother? I say it's easy peasy. It doesn't take a lot of time and it's not a bother at all. Becky Mankin, go. 
<laughs> it's it is squeezy. It, it, your only drawback is that you have to um, pack and unpack. That's the only drawback I can think of. Unless you want to spend more time in your resort room, because of course between check in and check out, you lose hours there. But you're in Disney World. Why would you want to be sitting in your room? Resort switching can be really easy. The resorts will help you transfer your luggage, and if you don't mind not having the room for a day to and return at check-in time. It's so much fun to explore the resort options and the themes. I love the idea that your mom wants to or that you want your mom to relive her experience at the Poly, especially for her to share with you now. Um, what a great memory to have to, to kind of pass that on to your kids. They, we have a lot of people who do this resort switching and we find that, that a lot of people come back and say, you know, I would like to start at a um, a value resort for a couple of nights, go to a moderate resort a couple of nights, and then try a deluxe resort to end and really cap off our vacation. It's very common. It's easy to do. You just work with the Bell services to help transfer your luggage. Just know that when it's transferred, you probably won't see your luggage until late in the afternoon. So make sure you have anything with you that you may need, like medications and that type of thing. But um, so easy, so wonderful ways to uh, to explore and experience the different themings and the, the different offerings at Walt Disney World. I think it's a great idea. Absolutely. And, and I've done it before. And you're right. It, it couldn't be any easier and it couldn't be any seamless um, how they're able to do it. So don't worry. Never worry about switching resorts, no matter how far apart they may be because they take care of everything for you. All right. She says, my little brother loves pirates. They're his favorite thing in the world. I'm already planning on using the money I've saved up. She's so sweet to take him and myself to the Pirates League. And I'm riding Pirates of the Caribbean with him endlessly. Aww. What are some other things we can do in terms of pirates? So I love the mm. fact that you're thinking about your younger brother and that he loves pirates. Some other things that you can start thinking about doing, uh, certainly while you're in Adventureland, check out Captain Jack's Pirate Tutorial, right? You can sort of, you can both learn how to be pirates. There is a new Adventureland game opening soon that's going to be uh, sort of centered around Pirates of the Caribbean and all adventure, uh, Adventureland. There's also a new interactive queue, very, very, very close to opening soon. So you're going to be able to re-ride Pirates and really experience the differences in the queue. The other thing, if you go down to downtown Disney, there's also a pirate room there. And if you are old school, your mom may remember this, the old Barker bird from outside Pirates of the Caribbean is inside, sort of bark, still barking to guests inside the pirate room. There's also some cool skeletons and skulls and, and a, a jail cell in there, which is a great photo opportunity as well. I think your brother would totally dig that. Now, I know that they used to, if they still, I think they still have it, but obviously it costs a little bit of money. But the other thing I was thinking about with pirates is don't they still do the Pirates and Pals fireworks voyage? Yes, yes, absolutely. Because that's a, another unique view of wishes. And of course, you meet some Motley Crew members along the way, and that would be <laughs> a really cool experience for something that's just kind of out of the norm. Yeah, that's a great idea. The, the Pirates and Pals Wishes Cruise is a lot of fun. So I was sort of, I was just thinking in terms of things her and her brother could do, but that's right. a great thing for. Uh, the whole family, so yeah. everything for the whole family to do. All right, we have like many, many more questions from her. Let's go. So she's been saving her money to pay for something special for her mom and dad to do while they're down wow. there. She is so you are like the perfect child. You need to call my kids. <laughs> they do so much for me. Oh, I'm getting choked up, and I want to do something for them. What's something special that a normal 14 year old's budget, which I don't even know what that is, uh, can pay for them to do <laughs> together? So. I love this, and I and I don't know what a fourteen-year-old budget may be. Um, so, Becky, I, I sort of struggled with this because I don't know 
what the what sort of range we're talking about here, right? Do, do they does she go out and and buy them matching Mickey ears? Does she give him a carriage ride? You know, the one thing that I thought about since she is the oldest sibling, and I, again, I don't know where do you guys end up staying, what your parents are, are comfortable doing, but what about something that requires no budget? What if you say, you know what, mom and dad, get us room service. We're gonna stay in the room tonight. We're gonna play. We're gonna watch movies. And you guys can go downstairs to dinner on your own. You guys oh, have I a nice romantic dinner on your own somewhere. <laughs> you just took my idea. Really? And that's, that's a, yes. You're thinking yes, like me. And I have no idea why. <laughs> I honestly, I, I'm, I will go and try to work that out of me eventually. But yeah, that's that's a great idea because it just lets mom and dad kind of go out and explore and maybe have a nice dinner together, just the two of them, something kind of romantic. And like you said, it's nothing out of out of um, her pocket to take care of the kids and let them enjoy themselves. I think that's a great idea. Awesome. Awesome. Stop right. watching. Stop. Stop <laughs> getting in my brain. Get out of my brain. All right. So we have a family <laughs> of five, which means we well, cannot more. all be partners for Toy Story Midway Mania. <laughs> what should we do? Do we have four people go together and the other make friends with someone else? Or should we have one person ride twice? Uh, I think because the line is usually very long, your best bet is to do that. Have one person go alone. You're not going to be alone, right? You're going to make a new friend. It doesn't affect you and your score really too much. And you never know. You might find somebody that's really good and is going to give you some of those clues like, hey, let's work together. Let's totally blow away your mom and dad and your younger brother and sister. So ride solo. Don't ride twice. Agreed. Unless you get, especially passes. if somebody says you hit all those balloons at the exact same time and then you get, you know, all those wonderful 1,000. We got it. We have to go play that. Exactly. I haven't ridden that in a while. We have to do that. You and I, we got to look back. We got a lot of stuff to do. It doesn't always <sighs> involve all eating. This is the Adding newer skinnier All right. On the last trip to the world, we stayed at the Grand Floridian, took Magical Express. I like the experience and want to do it again. Last time, the trip was pretty short. Now, when she's talking about the trip, she's not meaning her vacation. She's meaning Magical Express. Was this just because we were at a deluxe resort or will it not be very long if we use it to go to Art of Animation? Also, are we able to pick up our own bags at the airport and take them onto the bus ourselves so we don't have to worry about not getting them to our resort? Becky, I, this is so interesting because most of the time people don't complain. People don't say that the Magical Express ride was too short. <laughs> they wanted it to be <laughs> longer. I think my first re response was, you don't know. You know, it varies your Magical Express time is going to vary depending on your resort and the route and how crowded it is. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, Magical Express is a really efficient way to get to, the, to any Disney resorts on property. If you arrive before 10 p.m., you can certainly elect to grab your own bags and, and tag them and then take them with you when you check into Magical Express and they'll put them on the bus and then they'll magically show up at, at, your, at your resort. Um, or you can tag them and uh, allow the Disney folks to take them and they magically show up at your resort. It can take a while if you do that. They say up to three hours for delivery, so make sure you have everything that you may need um, to carry on with you. But there have not been a lot of issues with that. I know that there are some people who do prefer to make sure that their bag gets off of the plane and onto the, um, and into the airport and they want to grab them themselves. So there's no problem with that if, if you elect to do that. And the time on Magical Express is is not that long. I, I really do think that, like you said, it does vary depending on what resort and what the, the load factor is for, for that particular day. But it's very quick, very easy. Blink your eyes, you're at the resort, and then your bags show up and everything is magical. Love it. So she says, as I said before, 
I decided on her own 14-year-old little mind to go with the deluxe dining <laughs> plan. My parents have no say. And this was because I wanted... But you know what? Becky, everything that she's doing is selfless. She's yeah, chosen the deluxe dining plan because I want to take my family to several character meals and the hoop-de-doo. She's not saying she wants to do it for herself. She's doing it for them. I also heard you mention in one of your old shows a phantasmic dinner package. Do they still do those? If so, do you recommend them? And how many dining credits are they? Uh... Again, I love this. Let's talk a little bit about the Fantasmic Dining Package, uh, what it entails. And actually, now they've got the new The Taste of Hollywood Lunch. to go. Yeah which, yeah, which I really like a lot. I think we need to try that just for research purposes. Yeah, I haven't tried that myself yet. I did. Um, I'm aware of it. But the Fantasmic Dinner Package is, I personally like it. There are some schools of thought that that they're not happy with where the, the seating is. But I actually think that it's a great um, option for those who don't want to stand in line for the two hours to wait for the seating. Um, the the restaurants that are included, the Hollywood and Vine, Mama Melrose, which again, that's Italian and it's really good and I love that place. Both count as one table service meal for the regular dining plan and the Brown Derby, Cobb salad, that's mm. all I'm saying, counts as a signature experience. So that's going to be two table service meals. But you go to dinner, you get this little ticket that gets you into a little area that uh, a separate line that you get to go in almost at the last minute to um, into a reserved seating area that's all the way stage left. Or if you're looking at the stage on the right hand side, um, that allows you to just sit down and enjoy the show. So you don't have to worry about lining up an hour or two beforehand. You have a wonderful meal. You get this for free. This little ticket to, to go in is not an additional cost um, over and above. You just have to make sure that you're, uh, you're booking the, the Fantasmic Dinner Package to make sure to get those tickets. Yeah, and so the, the other thing that you can possibly think about, which is a, um, it's one quick service entitlement if you're using the Disney Dining Plant. It's something now called the Taste of Hollywood to go. Right now it's right. only going... Uh, as as you listen to this, uh, but I, I expect it may come back from March 24th through April 4th. But it allows you to purchase a prepackaged meal that also includes the reserved seating for Fantastic. So there's five different box meals. There's fried chicken, vegetable sandwich, uh, uh, sushi, a California roll and tuna sushi, shrimp salad, or a cold cut roast beef sandwich. It's $15.99, or like I said, the one credit. It does give you that Fantastic reserved seating without having to do the full sit-down. Uh, I think I agree with you, Becky, in terms of the convenience of not having to get online one, potentially two hours early. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think there's a lot of I don't think there's bad seating at Fantastic. You may have a preference of where you like to sit in the middle. Mm -hmm. This does not give that to you, but you're trading it off for the convenience and you get exactly. a nice meal to boot. Yep, I totally agree with you. I, I think it's a, a great option. And it's going to be interesting to see if this little test that they're doing with the, the prepackaged meal is, is going to fly because I think it's another great option yeah. for those who don't want to sit down. Because the one thing that, that you do find with these meals is, of course, it, you have to eat rather early on this mm -hmm. um, on, on, the, uh, on the dinner package. I think it's up to 5 o'clock or so, so you are eating rather early. So this would be another option to give you more of a lunch option and give you that um, a, a availability to get the fast pass into the this reserve seating. Yeah, because the taste of Hollywood to go, you can pick up your meal over at Min and Bill's Dockside Diner, which has awesome food, by the way, between 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. on the wow. day of your show. So if you want to have it for lunch or an early dinner, you're not locked into having to sit down at a particular time. You can pick it up whenever you want. That's one of the things I really, really like about this. If you want to learn more, if you want to make reservations, you call 407-WDW-DINE uh, in order to make your um, 
either for the to-go packages or for um, the Fantasmic Dinner package. I, or, I think we have to test that. I, I think, think we, we need to, to test it. it too. Or, you okay. know, if you use MEI and Mouse <laughs> Fan Travel, I think you guys will actually help do that for them. Um, yep, we certainly will. Are there any hidden Mickeys that can be found in Disney merchandise? Because I think I may have found one on my sister's pins and several on my shirt. Yes, like Becky's hurtful stares. They are everywhere. I even find them in my Cheerios. They are absolutely in Disney merchandise. I know a lot of the guys that work at the design group. They love hiding little hidden Mickeys, sometimes some other hidden characters as well, too, in uh, in the merchandise. So always make sure you look carefully. Yeah, definitely on the pins because those were among my favorite to collect when they had they came out with the little hidden Mickey series. Those were the ones that I was after all the people who were pin trading in the stores, you know, down the cast member with the little hidden Mickey. That was, yeah, again, going back to the whole collectible addict thing. Move on. You never know when you might even find a hidden Becky Mankin in there too. So, um, and finally, (laughs) finally, she says, sorry for the length. Finally, since we haven't been down in a while, we want to see as much as we can, but I also want to spend time exploring and appreciating overlooked experiences and everything else around me. I was considering using a touring plan, but I trust you more than test. Since oh, no. I use the touring plans all the time, should I never use the touring plans or should I sometimes use touring plans and sometimes not? Let me Love preface my answer. I love, I love Len Testa. Um, he is a brilliant person. He is obviously the author of the unofficial guides. He is the literally the brains behind touringplans.com who I love and respect and highly recommend, although I am much taller and handsomer than Len is. Um, wow. I... Um, I think, again, Becky, this goes to how you vacation. I think you're doing exactly the right thing. For a 14-year-old girl, you're very, very smart. You are wise beyond your years. I don't think you should say, we're locked into a touring plan. This is our regiment for 10 days. Bump, bump, bump. Use a touring plan, right, for places that you want to go, things that you want to see. Maximize your time. But also, you're right. Go explore. Go wander. Go meander. Put down that map, woman. And just explore. Let your feet, let your ears, let your sense of smell or sight take you to where you want to go next. I think a great balance is doing some touring plans, especially when the parks are crowded, and taking some time to just enjoy, slow down, look at the details, eat a lot, and, and wander the parks. Yeah, I agree. And I have to I have to throw out the virtual hug to Lynn because I, I think I probably laughed a little loud on that one. Um, but but you're right. Touring plans could be really good if you want to follow a plan. Uh, others like to explore with some spontaneity. I agree with that as well. I think that if, if you're um, – well, when I first started going to Walt Disney World and I wasn't part of this whole planning thing, it was just me and my husband trying to do as much as we could, as fast as we could. We had a plan and it was one of those military, we're going to go here, 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 we're going to eat now and, and then we're going to stop at the restroom and then we're going to go here, here, here and we're going to leave um, because you wanted to try to get everything is, and, and not miss out. And luckily we were able to go back a couple of times, which kind of taught us that, wait, if you allow for some time to look around and to um, explore, you might find things of great interest to you that are truly magical that are not on any maps. 
And those are the things that you kind of really treasure. And those are the memories that you create of, of the things that, um, that aren't on touring plans or on maps. So I would highly encourage, like you said, a good balance of the two to make sure that you see what you want to see, but to also really soak in the fine detail that you might miss if you're going too fast. Right. So you can also follow Lou Mangiello touring plan, which is breakfast, snack, lunch, <laughs> snack, maybe hit an attraction, snack, dinner, dessert, snack, sneak in a couple of attractions. And then you spend the rest of the time wandering and looking and having fun. You know, you need to hug this girl. I'm, I'm just well, saying. So listen, all stuff. Kaylin says, yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time to read and answer this long email. We are truly fellow geeks, foodies, and short people. I love her. <laughs> Hope to see you at an event sometime. P.S. I asked my little brother what his favorite attraction at Walt Disney World's, and he said, Stitch's Great Escape. Seriously? <laughs> Kaylin, I love this question. I love you, right? And I would love to meet you. When you, when you get your trip planned, hopefully through using Mouse Fan Travel, because she will help you, right? Becky knows you now. We know you. She oh, will yeah. help you. I would love to not only try and meet you and your family, I would love to try and do something to make your trip even more special. So I'm telling you here on the show, when you book your trip, you email me and let me know. And I want to try and do something because I think you are so not only smart and you are truly a Disney fan and you are so generous and giving as to how you want to make your family's experience better. I want to try and do something to make your trip even more special too. Aww. Oh, there's a collective awe. Yeah. You have a heart. It's like, I just want a puppy into the room. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay i love it i i love the selfless selflessness Great. of of um uh, of kaylin and yeah i would love to try and and do something you just like her. the test of comment i know it <laughs> <laughs> listen i love len i'm serious and if you've never visited touringplans.com you absolutely should more importantly if you've never visited mousefantravel.com listen you've heard becky clearly you love or at least can tolerate becky but more importantly Becky, you've got like, what, 80 agents around the country who are so not just incredibly helpful with whether you're coming to Disney World, Land, Adventures by Disney, Disney Cruise Line, dare I say other destinations as well, too. But it's it's the level of care and personal service that you guys give. It's why I love you guys. It's not just about the discounts. It's not Becky. It's not just about the the food and or the money. It's about the service. And your agents are exceptional. They learned it from watching you, and so that's why I recommend you guys the way I do. Thank you. Let me tell you something really quick, a really fast story. My my agents are just as geeky as we are about Disney. They totally are passionate and love this this as much as we do, and they do this and plan as if it, it was their own. A couple of days ago, a new um, a new promo code came out, and. The post to the group, we have a group where all of our agents talk to each other so we can share information to make sure that we're on top of it. And one of the posts came from one of the agents that said, I just saved my clients $4,900 by applying this code for them. (laughs) Uh, And in big, huge letters, she said, I love my job. This is why I love my job. And that just gave me this whole rush of warm feeling. It's like, you know what? These guys respond and love saving people money and making this experience as magical as they can. So um, hats off to my team because they are an incredible bunch of people who who get it. You know what? The, the thing that comes to mind, and I'm not, this is not me just blowing smoke. Like I've met a lot of your agents, right? And, and I've talked to people that use you guys. And I always sort of get the feeling that when they're planning trips for people, 
it's like they're planning it for their own family. Not the family that they hate, but the family that they really love actually doing things with. <laughs> like, they feel like they're planning it for their family. They are so heavily vested in everybody having not just a good time, but an exceptional time. Like, you guys are all about surprises and doing things like over and above. It's that level of expectation that we have when we come to Disney. That's the sort of things that you carry over. So forgive me for sort of, uh, you know, waxing so poetic, but I, I do love you for coming on the show. I, I love all your agents as well, too. I want everybody to go visit mousefantravel.com. You can obviously find links uh, on the show notes as well, too. And also, hey, tell your friends or tell the people you don't like to because they can go to Disney <laughs> as well and have a good time. <laughs> Becky, we've, we've got a lot many, many, many more questions to get to. But if you have a question about your upcoming trip, something about Disney World's history, the future, whatever it may be, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com. I promise you, it may take us some time, but we will answer it on the show. Becky Mankin, you and I, we've got lots of dining, lots of emails to cover, and uh, we've got other good stuff coming up. We've got other events coming up, too. We've got the cruise coming up. A lot of fun stuff ahead. It's going to be an incredible year, and I can't wait. And so thank you so much for having me on again today. And hopefully we'll be able to get through all of these emails because I know there's quite a stack. It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I ask you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World trivia, history, see how well you pay attention to the details of what you see or hear for a chance to win a Disney prize package. I'll randomly select one winner from all the correct entries, but before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, we were talking about the old and maybe some of the new in Walt Disney World, and I was thinking a lot about New Fantasyland and that massive expansion that took place, including some of the attractions that we lost along the way. So your question last week tested not only your knowledge of what's there now, but what we've lost along the way and a little bit of Disney history. The question was, how many of Fantasyland's opening day attractions from October 1st, 1971 are still in operation today? And the answer is four. Now, on October 1st, 1971, there were eight opening day attractions in Fantasyland. Dumbo, The Mad Tea Party, Snow White's Adventures, Cinderella's Golden Carousel, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, The Mickey Mouse Review, It's a Small World, and The Skyway to Tomorrowland. Now, a lot of you got this one correct, although many of you also added one other attraction that you thought made it five, and that was Peter Pan's Flight. But Peter Pan's Flight actually opened two days later on October 3rd, 1971. So thank you and congratulations to everybody who entered and played. You were playing for a chance to win all the audio tours on CD, a luggage tag, button, and a mystery vinylmation. And this week's randomly selected winner is... Andrew Fortek. So, Andrew, congratulations. I'll get your prize package out to you as soon as you send me your contact information. If you played last week and didn't win, thanks again for playing, but don't worry, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, in our email segment this week, we were talking about Pirates of the Caribbean, and it got me thinking a lot about that classic attraction, because there's so many great bits of history and trivia and facts and figures so here's one for you and here's your question of the week 
What is the name of Barbosa's ship in the Walt Disney World Pirates of the Caribbean attraction? So when you go down the waterfall, you enter into that battle between Barbosa when he's attacking the fort. What is the name of his pirate ship? You have until Sunday, April 7th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to enter by sending your answer to contest at www.radio.com. You're again playing for all six of my audio walking tours of Walt Disney World on CD, a WDW Radio luggage tag, and a button, as well as a signed copy of my Walt Disney World Trivia Book Volume 2 and a mystery ticket. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Don't forget to visit the website over at www.radio.com. There you can check out our multiple daily blog posts, new videos, sign up for our free email newsletter with exclusive content, contests, offers, and so much more. There you can find a link to download the free WDW Radio app for your iPhone, iPad, or Android device. Easy, free access to the podcast, blogs, videos, see upcoming live events, and chat for free in our discussion forums. I also want to hear from you and connect with you. So on Twitter, I am at Lou Mangiello, and you can come and like the page over at facebook.com slash Radio, or come by, subscribe to my personal page, facebook.com slash Lou Mangiello. If you have a question you want answered on the air, just email me at lou at www.radio.com, or you can call the voicemail be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. That's 407 900 WDW1, and as much as I love hearing from you and sharing with you on all the different social networks, I think nothing beats a handshake and a hug, and that's why I love doing so many different events, including our Meets of the Month every month in Walt Disney World. Our next Meet of the Month is going to be Saturday, April 20th, from 1.30 to 3 p.m. over in Epcot. We're going to have the Meet at one of my favorite locations in all of Walt Disney World, the Katsura Grill in Japan at the upper level outdoor seating area great time of year for a meet. Flower and Garden is going on. That afternoon and that evening, the Village People are going to be playing as part of the Flower Power Concert Series. Really going to have a nice day spent over in Epcot. For more information to RSVP, which you don't have to, but anyone and everyone is welcome, visit the event page over at www.radio.com. You can also get a link there to our Facebook event page where you can easily RSVP and comment there as well. Look for other events coming soon. Again, we still have a few spots available for our trip to the Walt Disney Family Museum on Saturday, April 13th. In June, I'm going to be speaking and having a meetup in Toronto on the weekend of June 1st. We'll be in New York. I'll be at the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet on the weekend of June 29th. We have Alani coming up in July. The D23 Expo, we're going to have a booth there as well, and I'll be live broadcasting that in August. Lots more coming on the horizon as well, too. Best way to keep updated on all the events is not just on the podcast, but by subscribing to the blog, subscribe to the newsletter, and following me on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks, as always, to my partners and sponsors. Big thanks again to Becky Mankin, not just for joining me on the show, but for sponsoring it as well. I recommend Mouse Fan Travel because I use Mouse Fan Travel, and I have been for years. As I said, whether you're coming down to Disney World, Land, Adventures by Disney, or on the Disney Cruise Line, her team of agents give you such great service, all available discounts, all at no additional cost to you. Check them out over at mousefantravel.com. If you want some Disney magic delivered right to your front door or your office, 
every other month or your digital device like your iPad or your Kindle, Celebrations Magazine. You can check them out over at celebrationspress.com. They celebrate all things Disney World, the Disney parks, the Disney films. You can order back issues and subscribe over at celebrationspress.com. And as always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Comment and share links on Facebook. And please come by. Rate and review the show and the app over at iTunes as well. There's a link on the website to get you there easily. And finally, and most importantly, I want to sincerely thank each and every one of you again for taking the time to tune in and listen, to email, to be such good friends and so supportive, and for letting me share my passion for Disney with you. And I want you to do what you love every day. So remember, you get what you work for, not what you wish for. So focus, take real action today, do something amazing, and always keep moving forward. Have a great week, everybody. So until next time, see ya. Hey, Luke West from South Dakota. Every once in a while, I call the phone booth at England just to see if someone picks up, and I tell them to have a great day, and we'll sometimes chat for a minute or two. And I just called today and said that none of the three numbers are working, so I don't know if they have changed those or have stopped incoming calls or what, but just thought I'd let you know. Hope you're having a good one. Bye-bye. Hey, Lou and all the WW radio listeners. This is Kate Angio. I just wanted to thank Lou for mentioning the D23th anniversary in the newscast one night because I just went to the one in Boston this past Sunday, and it was amazing. I'm so glad I knew about it. And if anyone still has the chance to go, definitely go. Um, We got to see a lot of never-before-seen or rarely-seen footage and video and photos. So it's definitely worth it. I also wrote a blog post for it for the website for www.radio.com slash blog. So everyone should check that out. And everyone should check out all the other blogs and everything else, and make sure you tune into the newscast to hear about more events like this. Bye, everyone. You've got a friend in me. Yeah!